Praise the Lord. How many of you sense the presence of the Lord here today? Thank you, Lord. Um, Sam leaned over. Just stick your hand up, Sam, so they know who I'm talking about. Um, leaned over and he said, it's all clicking, isn't it? And I'm like, yeah, it's clicking, meaning everything. Everything God's hand is on right now is moving, and God is touching, and God is blessing. And um, I'm telling you right now, and this is, this is just, I'm not hyping anything. This is the year. This is the year. So if you've been believing God for something, this is the year. It really is. Don't hold back. Don't hold back. Don't let the past blind you of what's in front of you. Don't let past disappointments, past discouragement, don't let past failures. Paul said it this way, forgetting those things that are behind me. I'm looking forward to what's in front of me. He said, forgetting all of those things, even the good things, not that we don't celebrate and honor, but, but he was saying, listen, I know there's more in front of us. There's more good things in front of us, amen? How many of you believe that today? How many of you really believe that today? Amen. I told him this week, I said, get ready, have the overflow ready, because I believe we're going to need it. And our ushers are ready. They're prepared for that. And we're just believing God to bring the increase. Amen. God's going to bring the increase. He is bringing the increase. Um, just a couple of things with that then. A uh, couple of things then. Number one, if you are physically able and... Um, Especially if you're young, if you can park in the Petites lot, how many of you know where that's at? A couple of you do not know? Okay. I think it's to my right right now, right? Don't follow me for directions. Is it behind me? Okay, it's behind me, so they say. Um... Please, please park there. Let's free up some space for our first-time guests and some of our um, ones who might be a little more challenged. Um, so just let's do that. And um, I'm just telling you, you know, it, it can get a little cramped. And, you know, when people are crawling over you to find a seat and things like that, be courteous, be kind. And um, trust me, we're working on some things. I'm, I can't bring anything out yet but we are working on some things and it's all good, amen? I said, it's all good. Should have wrote these things down. Am I forgetting something? It's your job to remind me. There's a lot you could say, but... Amen. You know, you would, you would think after 20, I don't know, 27, 28 years, somewhere around there, of preaching that I, I would not be nervous. But I'm telling you, you need to pray for me because I'm extremely nervous right now. Amen. Um, 
Oh, I know what I need to say. See? We've been meeting on Wednesday night for, for prayer, which has been phenomenal. Let's give the Lord praise for that. Amen. So here's what we're going to do going forward, okay? We're going to take this Wednesday off. I know some of you are like, no, don't do that, but we are. We're going to take this Wednesday off, and then the following Wednesday, everyone say first Wednesday. From this point on, the first Wednesday of every month will be here on Wednesday night, all right? That's easy to remember, first Wednesday of every month. And there'll be some preaching, there'll be some praying, there'll be some teaching, and there'll definitely be room for the Holy Spirit to do whatever He wants to do, amen? So first Wednesday of every month this week, doesn't mean you don't have to, or you don't pray this Wednesday, pray, but then the following Wednesday we'll be right here on Wednesday night, 7 o'clock. We'll have classes for your children, nursery will be available, of course our teens meet, and uh, our groups are still functioning in that capacity as well. So I want you to be a part of that as well. Amen? Okay. I knew I was forgetting something. Let's get into the word of the Lord today. And I've been on this um, series on the pathway to prayer. And um, we've covered just, just a few of the furnishings that are connected with the tabernacle of Moses. We've come through the gates um, with thanksgiving and praise. We stopped at the brazen altar last week and we found four, four horns on that altar signifying four different things. Number one, a place of salvation for everyone who would come, right? It's for everyone. Number two it was a place of refuge. That altar is a place of refuge. Number three, it's a place where you begin to discover you are a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Number four, it's the place of great exchange. Isaiah 53 and 5, wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, chastisement of our peace was upon him. By his stripes we are healed. Amen? The great exchange. So, um, let's get ready to move into the next piece of furniture. Father, I thank you and I praise you for this opportunity today. I ask God that you would continue to speak to us. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And everyone said, amen. Look at Exodus 30, verse 18. Exodus 30, verse 18 says, Make a bronze wash basin with a bronze stand. Place it between the tabernacle and the altar. Fill it with water. Everyone say water. Fill it with water. They, being the priest, must wash with the water whenever they go into the tabernacle, and I'll point that out in a moment, to appear before the Lord, and when they approach the altar to burn up their special gifts to the Lord. Or, now watch this, or they will die. And are, how many are thankful for grace today? <laughs> so there's a pattern, there's a path in which the priests were to take as they approach God. And um, so right behind that massive brazen altar is the brazen laver in between the holy place uh, in the outer courtyard. 
And so the emphasis of the altar was the blood. The emphasis on the altar is the blood, right? Can't get past, can't go any further until we're washed in the blood. So the emphasis on the laver is water. So you have the blood and you have the water, which are the two agencies of sanctification. Now, don't let that word scare you. It simply means to be set apart, to be set apart for God's use and for God's glory. Both the blood and the water are agents of sanctification. We are sanctified, set apart by the blood. He did that for us. We cannot do that for ourselves. It's him. It's his blood that he shed for us, right? But once you move past the blood, you come to the water. Now, here's what water symbolizes. Water is symbolic of the word of God. Everyone say the word. Water is symbolic of the word of God. So the blood washes me, the blood cleanses me, but the water also has a cleansing aspect to it as well. So the word cleanses me. I want you to look at this. Uh, Ephesians 5, 25 and 26 says this. Husbands, this means that you love your wives. Can I get an amen from the wives? Thank you. Just as Christ loved the church, he gave up his life for her. Watch this, to make her holy and clean. Here's our point. Washed by the cleansing of God's word. Washed by the cleansing of God's word. Jesus said in John uh, 15 and verse 3, he said, you are already clean because of the word. You're clean because of the word that I have spoken over you. So the blood, the blood cleanses my spirit. That's how you become born again. That's the work of the cross. The water cleanses my soul, which is what? It's my mind, it's my will, and my emotions. This is my responsibility. On the altar, it was not mine to shed. It was the innocent, spotless lamb. But at the labor, it's my responsibility to do what? To work the word. That's my responsibility. Um, no one can do that for me. That, that's me opening up the Bible and allowing God's word to speak to my heart. So the laver here, and if you can put that picture of the laver up, the laver is a picture of the word of God. And I'll unpack this and it'll make sense to you in a minute. So when you are in your prayer time, this is where you take the time to meditate on the word of God. Prayer should never be done without the word of God. Anytime you come to God in prayer, make sure that you have your Bible with you, whether that's with your phone, whatever device that you have. Make sure that, that the Bible is part of your prayer time. Notice the progression. I'm coming through his gates with thanksgiving. I'm entering his courts with praise. I'm stopping by the brazen altar. I'm, I'm acknowledging the blood, the work of the blood. And now I'm at a place where I'm at this labor. I'm at this place where the word of God uh, is part of 
my prayer time. Now, this is one pattern, okay? It's not the only pattern, but it is a pattern of prayer. And so this is how the priest would enter the presence of God. So here's what you have to understand. There are times that our soul needs a detox, okay? There are times that our soul needs a detox because you and I are in this world, but we're not of this world. We're still here, right? We're in it, but we're not of it. And because of that, the world has an effect or can have an effect on my soul, my mind, my will, and my emotions. Have you ever been around somebody or have you ever been in a place where after you've been around that person or that place, you just feel like you need to go home and take a shower? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Well, how many of you know that happens to your soul? The same thing happens to your, your soul. Your soul needs a cleansing. It needs a purification. This, this happened with Lot. Look at this scripture in 2 Peter 2, verse 7 and 8. Listen to what it says. And just Lot being delivered, vexed. Now watch, watch what he says. Lot was vexed. He was troubled. He was hindered. He was oppressed. Why? With the filthy conversation of the wicked. Now notice what the Bible says about Lot. For that righteous man. So we're not talking about an evil person. We're talking about a person who is in right standing with God, dwelling among those in Sodom and Gomorrah. Watch next. Seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul. So what this tells us is what you see and what you hear has an effect on your soul. These are gates that God has given us. And we are the ones who are to guard these gates. We have to be careful what we allow to enter in our eye gate. We have to be careful what we allow to enter in our ear gate, what we watch, what we listen to. Thank you. I wasn't going to move until I got one. And amen. So his soul was vexed just because he was around people, sinful people. So just being in proximity of sinful, sinful behavior can affect your soul. It can, all right? So here's what happened. Let's go back to our tabernacle. The priest who handled the sin offering. Remember that? I talked all about that last week. They handled the sin offering. They needed to be cleansed after being around that offering. So the next step that they would take is they would come to this laver and they would wash their hands, they would wash their feet, and they would wash their face. Now, I'll talk about hands in a minute. Just put that aside. Let me talk to you about the feet. They would wash their feet. God said, if you did not wash your hands or your feet and you proceeded to try to go into the holy place, God said, you're going to die. That's what he said, right? Everybody see that in the Bible? Okay. So your feet represent your walk. Your walk represents your witness. 
So he's talking about our witness. The Bible said this about Lot, that Lot sat at the gate in the city. Now, in biblical times, the gate had meaning to it because all of the leaders would gather at the city gate. They would, they would conduct business at the city gate. Transactions would take place at the city gate. Business uh, deals would go down at the gate. The ushers, or the ushers, yeah, the ushers too. The elders would assemble at the city gate. The leaders would go to the gate. The Bible said that Lot was at the gate of Sodom. And so what this tells us is this. He had influence in that city. He would not have been at the gate had he not had influence in that city. Here's what we need to understand. This is where how it speaks to you and I. That if we are going to have influence in a dirty world, our feet need to be clean. Is this okay? Our walk, our witness, we must make sure that our witness is not stained by the things of this world. So the word acts as a cleansing agent to our soul. Now, remember, uh, you can find this in John's gospel, John chapter 13. Remember when Jesus was washing the disciples' feet? Anybody remember that? He came to Peter, remember? And Peter said, uh, no, Lord, you're not going to wash my feet. I'm not worthy for you to wash my feet. And Jesus said, listen, unless I wash your feet, you have no part with me. And then Peter said, well, let's just go ahead and give me a bath. <laughs> he said, go ahead and wash my head, wash my hands, and wash my feet. And Jesus said, listen, Peter, I don't need to wash your hands. I don't need to do any of that. All I need to do is I need to wash your feet. Why? Because the rest is clean. Now, remember, the priest would do what? The priest would wash his hands. He would wash his feet. Now, when Jesus washed their feet, hand, or hands, or feet, I should say, Jesus just washed their feet. When the priests wash their hands, it speaks of the work. We work with our we work with our hands, all right? We use our hands to work. So in the Old Testament, they lived under what? They lived under a law. The law was what? It was works. So they had a list of things that they were, they were accountable to do. So they lived under the law, and they lived under works. How many are thankful that we do not live under the law? We don't live by works anymore. We live by the grace of God. So I believe Jesus was teaching us a spiritual principle here. I understand that he's talking about humility. I understand that he's talking about becoming a servant. That's what he's modeling for his disciples. But here's what he's telling us. Jesus is telling us that it's not your works that make you righteous. It's not the works that you do that make you holy. It's not the works that you do that cleanses you because we have certain people who think that they can gain favor with God by their works or they're going to gain entrance into heaven by what they do. Well, I'm a good person. I do good things. Well, thank you very much. 
but it's not our works. So Jesus said, I don't need to wash your hands. This isn't about your works. But think about this. Peter, whose feet walked on water. Jesus told him, you still need your feet washed, Peter. You still need to allow me to wash your feet. In other words, Peter, if you are going to walk in fellowship with me, if you're going to keep in step with me, if you're going to change and have an effect on this world, then you're going to have to wash your feet. You're going to have to wash your feet, and you're going to have to be sure that your feet have been washed and with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Amen? Come on, he's, tell, he's telling him, if you're going to walk in step with me, if you're going to walk in fellowship with me, you're going to have to be in that word. That's what I was trying to get to. You're going to have to be in that word. Why? Because that word then becomes a lamp, a light to my path. Right? Are you all with me? So this is where I take time in prayer, coming back to prayer. This is where I take time in prayer and I read God's word. I'm washing. I'm getting rid of all of, this, all of this toxic stuff that I've just picked up by being in the world. And I'm washing my soul. I'm cleansing my soul. And it comes through the word of God, amen? Number one, it cleanses me. Number two, it puts me in communion with God. The word puts me in communion with God. If you recall, what was the purpose that God had for Moses building the tabernacle. What did he say? I want to dwell with you. I want to meet with you. What is the purpose of prayer? God says, I want to meet with you. I want to commune with you. So prayer allows me to commune with God. It allows me to converse with God. Many people treat prayer like a transaction, almost like they're going to the ATM machine. And they punch in, the code that they have, but there really isn't a connection on the other side. It's, it's just a transaction that's happening. And often when we pray, we say, okay, God, here's my code. I'm going to punch it in. This is my need list. Here's what I need, God. Just give me the receipt. How many of you know that's not prayer? Prayer is communing with God. It's conversing with God. There is another person on the end of your conversation. Prayer is, a, is not a monologue. It is a dialogue. This is why you need God's word with you in prayer. Prayer is the other side of the conversation that you're having with God. Look at this scripture, Exodus 38 and verse 8. Come on, online church, are you with me? Wave, do something, put your thumbs up, or do something. I haven't forgot about you. Verse 38, Exodus 38, verse 8. Bezael, I guess. Brother Bez. Bezael. Bezael. Beelzebub. <laughs> no, that's not Beelzebub. Watch this. He made... The bronze wash basin, basin, now I can't even talk. And it's bronze stand, watch this, from the mirrors donated by the women. The women just gave up their mirrors. 
How many know that's a big deal? That's a real big deal right there, right? But watch this. Who served, that word served means minister. Who ministered at the entrance of the tabernacle. So even way back in the beginning, we have women ministering in the house of God. So, um, the water that was put in the brazen altar, the priest would come and they would look into that water and they would see their reflection. It became a mirror for them. So, here's what happens when you read your Bible. When you read the Bible, it reveals your image. How many of you know that the Bible is the only book that you read that when you read it, it reads you? Well, James 1, 23 and 24 tells us that. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror. Here's the connection. And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Immediately forgets what he looks like. The natural mirror reflects what? It reflects what we look like on the outside. The Word of God reflects what we look like on the inside. Okay? So in our prayer time, as I'm reading the Word of God, I need to apply the mirror principle. What happens is I see what I should be, but I also see what, I, what it could be. I see what I should be, but I also see what it could be. So here's the mere principle. The mere principle is this. You have to see yourself the way that God sees you. That's the mere principle. The word reflects his thoughts. The word reflects how he feels about you and I. Okay? Um, Hebrews 4 and 12 also says that the word will discern what our thoughts are and what our intents are. I, I don't have time to talk about that today, so let me just stay on this one pattern right here. But it reflects what God thinks about us. Do you know that God has thoughts about you? Well, sure he does. Jeremiah 29, 11, you quote it all the time. I know the, the thoughts that I think towards you. All right? So God has thoughts towards us. God is thinking about us. So when we see what God sees, what God thinks, I don't walk away from that and forget about it. Why? Because when the enemy attempts to paint negative images, which he does in my mind, images of weakness, images of inferiority, images of lack, images of fear, images of bitterness and of guilt and condemnation. We can look right in the mirror of God, right? Right in the word of God, and it reverses those negative thoughts. It reverses them. And so what happens is God is giving us a true reflection of who we really are, right? So let me give you a for instance. So when you have thoughts of weakness, 
when thoughts of weakness come, what does the word tell you? Well, the word tells you this, that we are strengthened with his might by his spirit in our inner man. That's what the mirror, that's what God is saying to you and I. Not that you are weak, but you are strengthened with his might by his spirit in your inner man. When you see yourself as inferior, here's what the mirror says to you. The mirror says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. Amen? When you see yourself or you have these thoughts of fear and being afraid, the mirror says this, God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. When it looks like you've made a huge pile of ashes of your life, this is what the Bible says. I've given you beauty for those ashes. I've given you the oil of joy for your mourning and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. How many of you know the mirror never lies? Just look at your neighbor and tell them the mirror doesn't lie. Type that in. Come on, online church, type that in for me. The mirror never lies. How many like those mirrors that make you look skinnier? I think Jamie just bought one for me in, in my office. I was up there and I'm like, man. Woo, glory. It might be that we're on day 15 of this Daniel fast. Goodness. It's hard telling what I would do right now for a piece of pizza. <laughs> focus, focus, focus. Come on, say that the mirror, mirror. never lies. Never so when you have your face in that book, that's God speaking his truth. That's God revealing his word. And don't you dare take for, think for a minute, well, that just applies to somebody else. No, it's yours. It's all of ours. So you are who he says you are. You can do what he says you can do. Amen? Here's my final point. Number three, the word of God in prayer removes constraints. Now, if you notice when I read to you at the very beginning of this message, you'll notice that this is only one of two pieces of furniture that has no dimensions, no dimensions. The other being the candlestick, and I'll talk about that next week. Why didn't God put any dimensions for this labor when God was so detailed about the other pieces of furniture? I mean, read, read the tabernacle, read about the curtains, and read about the, the tent stake. I mean, God was very detailed about this tabernacle. But when he gets to this wash basin, there's no dimensions for it. Here's what I believe God was saying to you and I. There's no limit to the word of God. There's no limit to what I can do for you. There's no limit to my word. It is without measure. Say without measure. It is without measure. You cannot measure God's word. Look at Psalm 119, verse 96. It says this, every perfection has its limits, but your commands have no limit. 
the greatest things of this world have a limit. They can only go so far, and that's it. But the commands of God are without limits. What are the commands of God? The commands of God are the revealed word of God. His word is not limited like the things of this world are. The word of God is not limited to time. There is no expiration date on God's word. Amen? It works. It works back then. It works today. It will work tomorrow. It works. There's no expiration date. See, because some of you are feeling like Abraham felt. God gave Abraham a word. I'm going to make you a mighty nation. You're going to be a strong and mighty nation. As numerous as the, uh, the stars in the sky and the sand on the shores. And Abraham's like, I don't even have a son. And now I'm 99 years old and Sarah is 90. But how many of you know he had a word? I don't care what your circumstance looks like. I don't care what your circumstance says. God's word is God's word. And it's his time. And his word is timeless. There's no expiration date because some of you are sitting in this room right now or some of you that are watching us online right now, you think that that word has passed you by. It has not passed you by. It has not expired. If God said it, it will come to pass. Come on, church. It will come to pass. And I really do believe this is why the enemy wants to keep us out of the Word of God. I really do believe that. I believe this is why the enemy does not want us bringing the Word with us to prayer. I really do believe this is why the enemy does not want us studying the Word of God. But this is, this is important for your prayer life. Listen, there's nothing more powerful in your prayer life than praying the Word of God. Nothing more powerful. Why? Because when you pray the word of God, you're praying the will of God. Because the word of God is God's will. So when you're, when you're asking the Lord, Lord, what's your will for this? Well, find what his word says. And you'll find it. Find what his word says. Start to pray that, and you're praying the will of God for your situation. And it will come to pass. Amen? So this is where you go from, in your prayer time, reading the Word of God to proclaiming the Word of God. Remember, we talked about this at the very beginning. You have to say it. You have to open up your mouth and speak. You have not because you ask not. You have to open up your mouth and begin to proclaim the word of God. Now watch this. Remember what James said. James said, you can't just be a hearer of this thing. You have to be a doer of this word. You can't just read it and walk away and forget about it. You have to be a doer. So how then do we do the word? Are you ready for it? Thank you. Are you ready for this? And I'm, I'm done right here. I'm done right here. Look at this scripture, 2 Corinthians 4.13. And I want to read it in the Message Bible. 
I want to read this in the Message Bible. This is what some of you need to be saying this week. I'm not going to keep quiet. The enemy has silenced my voice for too long. I've been silent about God's promise for too long. I have allowed the enemy to rob me of the voice that God has given me. He said, we are not keeping quiet. Not on your life. <laughs> Just like the psalmist who wrote, I believe it, I believed it, so I said it. And, and can't see it. We say what we believe. That's powerful right there. We say what we believe. Well, God will never do that for me. God will never give me that job. God will never give me that breakthrough. That will never happen for me. You say what you believe. And what you believe is what you get. I'm not going to keep quiet. Once I get into this mirror and I see the reflection and I see the image that God has and I see the promise that God has and I see everything that God has spoken concerning my life, concerning my situation, concerning whatever area of your life. I don't care what it is. Finances, he's got something about that. Health, he has something about that. Children, he's got things about that. I don't care what it is in your life. There is something in God's word that covers it. And if you can get a hold of it and if you can see it and start proclaiming it, if you'll say it. I need you to stand to your feet. I need you to stand to your feet. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. this question. Why does God emphasize the speaking part so much? Why does he emphasize it so much? And why does the enemy want to silence us so much? Because words create images. And when you confess the word of God, you're changing, you're changing the image of yourself and you're changing the image of situations and circumstances that you find yourself in. That's a powerful thing. Well, pastor, you know, I just don't, I don't buy that. I don't believe that, you know. I'm not talking about this blab it and stab it, name it and claim it stuff. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about God's Word, church. I'm talking about the Word of the living God. You know what? Heaven and earth are going to pass away. Everything in it is going to be gone. You know what's going to be left? His Word. His Word. Amen? One more scripture. Stretch. Everybody raise your hand. Stretch. Give me, um, give me Numbers 11. 
23. What year is it? 23. Give me numbers 11, 23. Now, here's for the doubters in the room. God's getting ready to feed an entire nation. They're in the wilderness. They're complaining because all they've been eating is manna, supernaturally. So God says, okay, God says, I'm gonna send meat. And Moses, there's a conversation going on between God and Moses, and there's 600,000 men. Now we're not including women and children. 600,000 men, estimates of 2 million people. And God says, I'm gonna, I'm gonna feed them. I'm gonna feed them every night. As a matter of fact, I'm gonna feed them so much, they're gonna have quail coming out of their nose. Read it, it's in the Bible, am I right? And Moses said, how in the world are you going to do this? If you emptied out the sea and if you emptied out every living creature, how's that gonna come to pass? And listen to what God says. Then the Lord said to Moses, have I lost my power? Where in this whole thing, Moses, did I lose my power? He said, now you will see whether or not my word comes true. God says, I'm gonna prove to you. I'm gonna prove to you that this works. And I believe 2023, God's gonna prove to you that this word works. You believe that today?